If you would take your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 4. So we are at the, I guess it's not real fitting to say we are at the end of our war on words because it is an ongoing battle. I'm going to tilt and just face this way. Uh, Get it closer? How's that? Pastor's going to kill me for adjusting his mic. How's that? Is that better? Okay. Um, the, uh, I don't know if y'all have tried to listen to the podcast, but the, the volume, and I don't know if it's something with the mic, if it's something with the board back there, but the audio is very soft on the podcast. Uh, so you have to crank that volume all the way up. Um, it, uh, in fact, I was listening to um, Brother Andy's uh, lesson from last week. You okay there? Okay. Um, and I uh, had to have that volume turned all the way up. Um, but, you know, it's, it's um, modern technology. Uh, it, it's great when it works, and when it doesn't, it's frustrating. But that's okay. Um, so, yeah, we are at the end of our study on the war on words. Um, it's kind of bittersweet. Uh, someone, uh, I was talking to Pastor, and he said somebody told him that there was a night and day difference between the first week that I taught and, and the next week that I taught. And I told him, I said, I, can, I, I would have told you that. Uh, the first week I was very, uh, very timid and quiet, just holding that mic. You know, I just didn't know what to do. I felt, felt awkward, but it's like riding a bike. Um, and so I really enjoyed it. Uh, and it was actually a couple, I guess probably... Andy, you might remember, it's probably two or three weeks into our study when we were meeting with Pastor, and he mentioned to us changing up the Wednesday night program. Um, And it's just kind of like, well, we just got started on this. You know, why are we changing it now? But I totally understand. Um, He actually um, mentioned it to us, and um, he said that every, like the previous night, everybody that he saw just looked dead and it was a Wednesday the kids were just getting back into the school and just everybody was just kind of dragging and uh, you know I it's just one of those things some people are going to really enjoy a change in in schedule some people are going to struggle with it but we really hope that kind of the way that uh, we're moving to the discipleship to to Wednesday nights um, for me Wednesday night has always been more of a, a fellowship time. Um, and, you know, even after, after we finish the lesson and we pray and turn the mics off, people are just kind of milling around talking. It's just kind of our midweek checkpoint uh, where Sundays are, are, are busier. Uh, you know, people have different things they've got to get, get done before church, after church. You gotta, we got to beat the Methodists to the restaurants. Uh, and so, you know, everybody's just kind of in a hurry, but Wednesday nights is kind of more laid back and relaxed, and it's more of a time to connect. And so I do want to encourage you to, uh, to get plugged into one of the discipleship uh, classes, uh, Discipleship 101, I think Brother Cliff is teaching that, is that correct? And uh, then Pastor's going to be doing 301. Uh, I'm going to jump into that, um, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but... As we focus on the war on words, um, I'm going to kind of take a cue from uh, Brother Andy last week, and I'm going to I'm going to go into the George Lucas realm for a moment. Um, but I'm not going to go Star Wars. That's not me. 
Uh, I've got girls. I can tell you everything about the Disney princesses. Uh, but Star Wars, like to me, there's only three, and they're the originals. Once you get outside of that, I'm lost. Um, so he was talking about the, the Obi-Wan stuff, and just like, I'm, I'm, I'm totally lost. Um, but as, as I started into this lesson, of course, having listened to him, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback on that. Um, but tonight we're going to be talking about choosing words of truth and how to choose your new words. And um, just thinking about the word choose and George Lucas, I was thinking about the, the really the top of my bucket list for my life is to see um, the ancient city of Petra in Jordan. Uh, I don't know if any of you are familiar with it. Uh, on the big, you know, stone walls, there's just this city that's carved into it. And the first time that I ever remember seeing it was in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, and, of course, they are in there, and the, uh, the night there, when, when they're looking for the, the cup that Christ drank out of at, at, the, at the Last Supper, um, you know, the, the line... You have chosen wisely. Um, and every time, you know, somebody talks about a choice or, or making the wise choice, that's always what I go to. Um, and the fact of the matter is, our lives are just a series of choices. Uh, from, I, I want to say, from the time we turn 18, because my kids don't get many choices, you know, we were actually just talking about this with Pastor and another couple, uh, just kind of going through a Bible study from Romans chapter 14, but talking about how we are making decisions for our kids. Uh, but our lives are just a, a, a series of decisions. Um, from deciding to wake up in the morning to deciding to have your, your uh, time of devotions, deciding to go to work, deciding everything. Uh, we have these choices to make, and when it boils down to it, the war on words are going to boil down to the choices that we make. Um, James chapter 1, verse 19. Um, James talking here, and, and again, I'd, context matters. We think about James. It's often been called the, the Proverbs of the New Testament, and, and James is the pastor to the church at Jerusalem who has been scattered abroad. So imagine that for whatever reason, we as, as River City Baptist Church, we all have to scatter. Um, in the book of James, it was persecution. If we want to say COVID, okay, that could pretty much be the closest thing that we can really wrap our minds around. But being dispersed, everybody's just kind of Floundering. This is this is. These are not people who have been saved for years. They were not uh, second and third generation Christians. Everybody was a first generation Christian, and so they needed the words of wisdom. How are we supposed to live as we go out? And we're not gathered together. We don't have the comforts of home. And so James tells uh, his church in this letter, verse nineteen. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. And slow to wrath. It has often been said we have two ears and one mouth because we should listen twice as much as we should talk. And I would even say we should listen 
a whole lot more than that. Um, someone once uh, mentioned to me as a, as a teenager, I worked uh, for my uncle doing air conditioning work. Uh, he had four daughters. I started working with him when I was 12 or 13, and, you know, I was just a little, you know, I was just carrying the tool bag. I was just there, silence, I never spoke, uh, and somebody, you know, once said, well, why don't you talk? And I said, if I don't talk, I can't make a fool out of myself. <laughs> and, you know, I, I remember that, and, and the longer I live, the more and more I realize that that is completely and totally true. If I don't open my mouth, you don't know how much of a fool I am. So I'm just going to sit here and try to look pretty. I'm going to fail, but I'm going to try. Um, so we really need to just keep our words in check. And as we've, as we've gone through this study, we're all very well aware of the good, of the bad, of the harm, of the blessings that can come. But So what do we do? Uh, the first point here that we're going to see in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 is we need to choose words of truth and my bible app just crashed so what's that <laughs> modern technology uh if i had my my paper uh, bible up here it wouldn't happen um but in ephesians chapter 14 here we go we're gonna get there Ephesians chapter 4, I'm rattled. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Um, it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but or by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. We have all had it said to us, and we have probably all been guilty of speaking the truth in love. And I use the air quotes there because oftentimes we use that as an excuse, as a scapegoat, just to be able to say what we want to say. Um, and too many times when we do that, we are guilty of speaking the truth in anything but love. Um, the truth does need to be heard. Uh, I, growing up in Memphis, our church, we had a, a man who would, uh, and I, I don't want to, I don't want this to be taken wrong, this is not, uh, what I would subscribe to, but I don't want to downplay people who would do it. But he is a street preacher on Bill Street. And he has a huge banner that is a picture of Christ on the cross. And I have stood there and watched him. And he is preaching the truth in love. Many people will walk by and speak all manner of evil against him, saying that you hate you hate these people, you hate these people, you hate me because I'm, uh, I'm different than you. And, and it looks very aggressive. But if someone goes up to him and talks, he is very soft-spoken. And he lets them know, this is the truth. The man that you see on the cross here, he died 
for you because you have a sin debt that you could not pay. And he goes through and really it's, it's almost shock value to, op- to initiate a conversation, but then he is speaking the truth in love. Uh, and that was the first time I saw it. I was like, whoa, that's kind of that's harsh. But it's true. Everything he's saying is true. Um, there's a man, um, uh, you might have seen his, uh, he's got a TV program. I think it's on um, TBN or one of, the, one of the Bible networks. But it's uh, Wretched, uh, Wretched TV or Wretched Radio. His name is Todd Friel. He's based out of Atlanta, and every Wednesday he goes to the campus of the University of Georgia, and he does Witness Wednesday, and he has a live open mic, and he is open-air preaching, and every week someone who is a Christian will walk up and accuse him of being hateful and, um, you know, just approaching this the wrong way. And, and I recently saw a video of a girl who was in tears telling him, you're not going to win people this way. And his, his response to her was, how are you winning them? Um, it takes boldness to speak the truth. Um, we can, if I have a neighbor who is lost and on their way to hell, it is a hard conversation for me to have to share the gospel with him. Um, how loving am I if I neglect to have that conversation with him and I let him continue his way to hell so there are conversations that will have to be had but the heart behind them has to be in check they have to be conversations that are had with love um and we have to choose our words wisely. Um, again, I go back to the illustration. If, if this is the English language, there are a few words over here that you will never use to bless someone or to edify someone. And there are a few words over here that you will never use to curse someone or to slander someone. But the majority of the English language can be used for good or for bad. And again, it just goes back to the choice that we have. So how do we choose what to say or how do we choose what not to say? Um, there, this has always frustrated Sarah when we will be in moments of intense discussion. Um, I, I try my hardest to watch the words that I say. So she may say something or ask me a question and I just stand there with my mouth closed. My arms are probably folded. I might be leaning up against the wall. Um, But I don't want to say anything that's going to come across hurtful or wrong. you know, I go back to the illustration, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will always hurt. Um, I remember reading a story about a, a, um, a young man who was just berating his mother. And his father took him out and um, 
there was a, a post that they had put in the, in the ground and he had started taking nails and putting them in that post. And then over time, as he would apologize, he would go out and take a nail out. If he was in the wrong, he would be made to go outside and put another nail in the post. When he apologized, he could take it back out. And then over time, what he saw was, yes, forgiveness had been granted, but the holes and the marks were still there from the words that were said. So we really need to be careful about the words that we use. The first question we need to ask ourselves is, what truths of Scripture explain the situation? So whatever the... When we're talking about a war of words, usually there's going to be some tension, some conflict that has arisen, uh, be it um, between a husband and wife, between a parent and a child, between co-workers, um, it could be between siblings, neighbors, uh, you name it. It could be arguing with somebody over a parking spot down here at Publix. Um, but scripture is our guide for everything. Um, someone once asked me, I was, I was talking to somebody, and I didn't forget what it was about, but I said, well, I kept saying, well, the Bible says this, the Bible says this, the Bible says this, and they said, no, no, what do you say? And I was like, it doesn't matter what I say. I'm, I'm human, I'm, I'm a sinner, I need to go to someone who knows it all, so this is what the Bible says. And the Bible is God's word. You, we have to be planted firmly in God's word. And so we need to know what scripture explains about a situation that we're in. We know that when we respond to someone, we don't necessarily respond to facts. We respond to how we have interpreted those facts. Um, and when we're doing that, we need to make sure that we are using the lens of Scripture to interpret not only the situation, but our response to the situation. Um, the second question we need to ask ourselves is, what does God want to show this person about himself? Uh, capital H. What is God trying to show this person about God? Um, it, it almost... Seems, in fact, I was talking to someone last night, and I said, you know, if God's allowed it to happen, it's for, it's for our good and for his glory. And it is a truth that rolls off the tongue so easy it's hard to overlook. But in every situation that comes up in our life, God is trying to work in our lives. And it's not just our life, but it's the people that we are interacting with. If Miss Rhonda and I are having an argument about whatever, maybe she's given my kids too many, too much candy. Uh, and I'm, you're not. I love you, Miss Rhonda. My kids love you. Uh, but if if we're having a, a disagreement of some sorts, in this situation, God can be glorified in both of our lives, in both of our situations, we should both be able to walk away from this, learning more about God, about ourselves, and about each other. So the first thing we need to say is, what is God trying to show this person? 
uh, about God. How, is, how will God be glorified in what I say? Uh, the, then we need to ask, what does God want to show this person about himself, about this person? You know, we get, we get into these situations and every time I'm in an argument or a, um, a disagreement, I can learn something about myself. Um, and if I don't learn from, a pastor has mentioned it many times, if I'm in a storm, I better learn what I need to learn through the storm or I'm going to have to go through the storm again. And so if I'm, if I'm having a disagreement with someone and the war of words is, is, is raging, I can learn something about myself through the way this is handled. And the other party can learn something about themselves. If my words are too harsh, then I'm just going to shut them down. You know, I, I have completely yielded the fight. No good can come of this if my words are not uh, proper here. Um, what does God want to show this person about others? So often in our, and it's easy in our world, we have a negative view of people. Um, whether it's somebody driving on the road, whether it's somebody who doesn't look the same way as we do, they don't talk the same way as we do. We, we I guess the, the, the technical term for it is xenophobia, fear of um, anything different. But we can tend to shut people down who are different than us. Even, even biblically, people who have different standards than us. Um, if someone walks in wearing a suit and tie on a Wednesday night service, you know, some, we could easily look at somebody like that and say, oh, they're not going to fit in here. You know, well, that's wrong. It's wrong of me to assume that. I need to, I need to talk to this person. I need to, to get to know them. I need to be welcoming uh, and, and have that camaraderie. Um, and I need to learn about other people. Um, Every situation has the prospect of shaping someone else's outlook on the world as a whole. We can talk, we, we've already talked about technology tonight, but we can look and, and see in our conversations about the way we might talk about, oh, well, this world is just so terrible. Things are so terrible in the world right now. People aren't, aren't the way they, people aren't as nice as they used to be, you know, well, you know, if, I, if my words are not seasoned properly, I'm going to further that person's pessimistic view of other people. I'm, gonna, I'm going to damage the testimony of Christ. Um, so I need to consider what my words are going to show this person about other people. But then I need to kind of look deeper and say, what is God calling this person to do? God has a a call for each and every one of us. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul refers to himself as an ambassador. We know an ambassador is someone who represents someone greater than them to someone else. And so Paul is presenting himself as an ambassador of Christ. And we are the same thing. When we go out into the world, we go out into our daily lives, we are an ambassador for Christ. 
our words will have a, a, an impact on the people that we come into contact with. Will they help further this person's relationship with Christ? Or will it hurt this person's relationship with Christ? If this person is lost, am I going, or are my words going to help push them towards the cross? Or are my words going to build a wall between them and the cross? Uh, the last question we need to ask ourselves, how can I best help this person to understand all of these truths? Words matter. More uh, mere words are just words, but it's the heart behind them that really matters. Um, going back to the idea of two ears and one mouth, uh, I was I was thinking about wordiness. Uh, and so I just started doing some research, and there's actually three words um, in linguistic terms that include verbose, uh, circumlocution, or pleonasm. These refer to varying aspects of wordiness or using too many words. That is often my problem. When I get into a, you know, to a situation where I think I can talk myself out of it, I use too many words. I'm confusing. I'm putting way too much out here. Um, things are way too busy when I need to stick to the point. What is my goal? My number one goal is to honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. So I don't need to take care of all of these ancillary issues, I need to go straight to the point. Um, because if I can be concise, it's easily understood. Uh, not only do we need to uh, choose words of truth, but we need to choose words of love. Um, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul is speaking here, and he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clinging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Our driving force behind our relationship with other people needs to be love. How can I express love to my wife? How can I express love to my children? How can I express love to my neighbors, to my customers? Um, the easiest way to express love is going to be with our words. We use them every day. They are going to be so powerful. And if the words that we choose are not lovely words, or they're not coming from a place of love, then what good are they for? 
How much of our speech is impatient and unkind? How often are our words spoken out of selfish or personal desire? How easily do outbursts of anger occur? How often do we bring up past wrongs? How often do we fail to communicate hope? How do we fail to protect? How often do our words carry the threat that we have had it and are about to quit? Unfortunately, I can tell you in that list far too many times, those have, have um, been able to define my words and my communication. Um, we need to choose words of restraint. Ephesians chapter 4, back here, we're going to go to verse 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. This is one of those um, scriptures that is often brought up in marital counseling. You know, do not, don't go to bed angry. Um, hash it out before you go to bed. Um, but we need to make sure that we are restraining our words. You know, going back to that idea of, of using fewer words. Uh, I've got five kids. Uh, I've, I've often joked, uh, the kids will always ask, Dad, when can we be out of car seats? I'm like, well, you know, you will move out of your car seat and into the driver's seat. That's just kind of the way, you know, I, I feel like it's a conspiracy theory um, to minimize um, and penalize large families. You know, the car seat, you know, they want you to be in a booster seat until you're, you know, five feet tall or, or 10 years old. And it's just like, you know, you can only make the car so big, you know, so, something's got to give. Um, but the, the idea of a car seat is to restrain, um, to hold back and to protect. Um, I mean, the car seat that I had was the arm, you know. Um, my wife has told me not to tell my kids this, but, you know, I remember sitting in the back window of the car, you know, have my face pressed up against the glass, and when the brakes would be slammed on, I would just roll out off the seat into the floorboard. Um, this was back when cigarette lighters were in the back seat of the cars. <laughs> Got in trouble for that a couple times. Um, but, you know, the, the idea of a restraint is a good thing. In our world, we look at, you know, our, the modern world wants to look at restraint as a bad thing. You know, we're all supposed to be free and, and be able to do whatever we want, whenever we want. Well, no, that's not healthy. We all need to, to have some restraint. And, of course, with our words, we need to make sure that uh, our words are restrained, that we're not just open it up and let her fly. Um, because when we do that, we almost go from a, a shotgun blast that's going to just spray everywhere when we really should be more precision, sniper rifle, let me just hit my target and that's it. Finally, we need to choose words of grace. Uh, down a couple verses, Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. For the rest of my life, grace will 
up until two years ago, grace, I would always define it as the um, acronym God's, rich, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. Um, but two years ago, I think it was two years ago, we were uh, in Memphis, we were putting our kids into a tutorial at Bellevue Baptist Church in uh, just outside of Memphis. For those of you who are not familiar with Bellevue, um, it was uh, the church that was pastored by Adrian Rogers of Love Works Finding Ministries uh, for years. Very solid, very sound Southern Baptist church. Uh, the church that we were at was an independent church. We were more fundamental, more structured and, and standards driven. And so they did things differently. They did things more like we do here. Uh, and so at our tutorial, we went into their youth room and their youth room um, was, uh, was probably about this size room had a dark colored ceiling like we have here, but the walls were dark. You know, the lights were low, there were stage lights. Uh, I'll never forget, there was a, a friend of mine, he was also a deacon uh, at the church uh, that we attended, and he, we just kind of walked in and he was just kind of sitting there, he's like, I don't know about this. But it's just like, eh, it's gonna be okay, it's just a homeschool tutorial. So we got up, the, the tutorial director introduced um, the program that we're you know for the school year and and the schedule so we all met together and then us parents went to meet the tutors um so we left the kids in there and so we went and met the tutors and we we're talking to them and then the kids just kind of mingled out and, and met us and olivia um her she was just quiet and almost white as a ghost and the other girls are excited and they're talking and this is going to be so much fun. You know, I've already met some friends and, and people we knew from, from previous schools and this is going to be great and excited. And Olivia's just, Olivia, what's wrong? Dad, I, I've never seen anything like it. I said, what, what do you mean? What happened? And she said, Dad, we prayed and asked God to bless our night and our school year, and to be involved in everything that happened. I said, yeah. And she said, and y'all walked out, and they started playing rock music on the speakers. And I said, I am sorry. And she said, Dad, it's not your fault. <laughs> she's, she's 10. It's not your fault, Daddy. You didn't know. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry that your middle name is Grace and you don't know anything about it. For me, the idea of Grace will always be defined by that moment, by that picture of my daughter thinking things have to be done my way and that, the way that we've always done them. And if it's not, then it's wrong. And I, that is, you know, I, we had, like, th that is really the catalyst that began our move here uh, in, in studying it out and um, really digging into God's word and saying, you know, what am I, like this is concerning to me that my kids feel this way. Like they didn't, it wasn't preached, you know, it wasn't preached, you can't do this, you can't do that, but it was practiced. Uh, everybody looked the same, they talked the same, they walked the same. And so 
I knew that we needed to, we needed to make a change. Uh, and that, that's really kind of the catalyst that moved us down here to experience God's grace. And so when I think about grace and the, the definition that I've always kind of looked at now, it was laid out to me, grace without truth breeds liberalism. If I live my life all in grace and forget the truths of God's word and just say, I have God's riches, Christ has paid for it, I can do whatever I want to do, then that's going to be liberalism. If I neglect God's grace and say, I'm going to live my life strictly by truth. So if the Bible doesn't say in black and white, I can do this or I can't do this, then I'm just going to stay away from it, then that's going to be legalism. And as I was studying it out, I realized Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. Here I am trying to figure out where do I need to be on this spectrum. I was raised in it, so I have a natural bent towards the truth side. But it's not healthy for my kids. We need grace. God has given us grace. So how can I live my life in grace? And so as, as I got to this and I started thinking about, impart, my words should impart grace. How often do my words impart grace? Because the same thing, they can impart grace. But at the same time, you know, our first point, they have to impart truth. So they have to be balanced. And the only way that I know to balance grace and truth is to look to Jesus because he was full of both of them. Um, so we need to choose our words and choose words of truth. We need to choose words of love, choose words of restraint. And finally, we need to choose words of grace. And I'm just going to wrap it up here. Uh, Paul Tripp closes the book. Um, with these conclusions, and they're just questions, just to ask. Um, a personal, uh, getting personal, a final assessment. And these are questions that we should all ask ourselves as we think about the war of words. What have we learned about the thoughts and the motives of our hearts? Um, just being real, too many times the motives of, of my words or to validate me. Like, I want to be right. So, that, that is the motive for a lot of my words. Should not be the motive for my words. My words should, the motivation for my words should be to further the gospel. Get me out of the way. It doesn't matter about me. I don't, I don't need to be right. I just need um, to be right with God. Number two, what have you learned about your communication struggles, whether it be marital struggles or marital communication, parental communication, friendships, family, um, communication struggles within the body of Christ? One thing that I, I enjoy so much about River City, um, and actually Pastor was just uh, uh, telling me, he was telling me about somebody who uh, was visiting and, and 
as they were visiting and kind of getting to that point where they were going to make a decision. There was a business meeting coming up, and, and they asked if they could um, sit in on the business meeting. Pastor was like, yeah, sure. And as soon as the business meeting was over, the guy walked up to him and said, we're joining the church. <laughs> He's like, well, that's kind of odd, but can I ask why? He said, it was peaceful. It was five minutes. This is what we're going to do. Everybody said, okay, and everybody went home. It's like, that's not, that, that's not normal uh, within churches. Everybody, you know, has their opinions and things like that. So that's one thing that I appreciate about communication within the body of Christ here. That doesn't mean there's no issues, but, you know, we're all pretty well established and just we'll talk them out, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of them. Um, the third question, where is God calling you to repentance? And again, repentance is, is two parts. What do we need to put off? What do we need to get rid of? And what do we need to put on? What do we need to, to put in its place? Um, I, was, I was explaining to one of the kids recently uh, how a vacuum works. Um, in, in my job, I have to use a vacuum pump. And, and so when the, the refrigerant lines for your air conditioner, before refrigerant can go in, you got to get everything out. You got to vacuum it all out. There can't even be air in there. And so I was letting them know how, what that means for something to be in vacuum, so that when you open it up, everything rushes in. Our lives are the same way. If we get rid of something, then we leave a vacuum. Something has to come in and take its place. Uh, and so if there's something that uh, God is calling us to repent of, we just can't get rid of it without replacing it with something else. Um, what specific opportunities is God giving you to be a part of what he is doing in the lives of others? This one was huge uh, to me as, as I thought about really where we are in our church calendar. You know, the, the gift of words that God has given us can be used greatly in the lives of others. I think about even this week, Friday, we're going we're gonna to open up our, our doors to the community for a night of hope, and there's going to be people here who are hurting, who need help, who need encouragement, who need prayer, and this is where our smiling faces and our well-seasoned words can come into play. Just being kind and welcoming to someone. Um, if someone needs help, they're hurting, you know, we can pray with them, and and, and just point them to Christ. But we have to use our words to do that. The last question he, he gives us to kind of reflect on here. What promises of the gospel encourage you as you answer God's call to change? God has called us all to use our words properly. They are, again, one of the greatest tools that we have. And too often we use them flippantly, um, we use them harshly, or we don't even use them at all. Um, so as, as we wrap up the war on words, just this is what I want to take from it personally, is how am I using this, this gift that God has given me? God's en enabled us all to do something but everyone here has the gift 
of words that we can use. Um, so I would just, you know, kind of leave you with that. You know, um, let's use our words wisely. And as we go through the war on words, remember that the battle's already won. You know, we just, we just have to do our part. It's that simple. Let's pray. Father, I love you, and I thank you for the opportunity you've given me to um, be a part of this study, um, to really examine my words and how I use them, um, and to be an encouragement to your people. Uh, Lord, I pray that um, the team teaching that uh, I've been a part of with Brother Andy and Pastor has, has been a blessing and a help to, uh, to our church. I pray, Lord, that you would help us as we move forward um, in the coming days, Lord, a busy couple of days, Father, but um, we know that you will be honored and glorified. We pray for the night of hope on Friday. We pray that uh, the gospel would go forth, that people would be helped, um, ultimately that people would be saved, uh, and that your church would grow through it. Lord, I pray for um, River City Global on Sunday and uh, for Brother Jody Jenkins and, and just as he's coming in and, and the vision that Pastor has laid out uh, or is will be laying out for us, I just pray, Father, that you would be honored and glorified with everything that is said and done here um, on our stretch of Merrill Road here. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.